0: good to be in God's house amen Amen. and we're very blessed to be here Uh, there's actually we were just talking before the service and there's been quite a few churches that actually have have started shutting back down again in in our area so uh, we're praying and and hoping that that God would just move and have his way and that that folks would be healed and this would just take care of itself amen Amen. if you have your Bibles this morning uh, I'll be in the book of Colossians the book of Colossians chapter number two And uh, we'll start reading in verse number 1, we'll read down through verse 10, Colossians chapter 2, verse number 1. It's good to see everybody. Uh, We've got a a pretty good crowd this morning, and I thought we might be down a little bit, but folks are here, folks have turned out, and I'm just glad to be in God's house this morning. I'm excited because, you know, I missed it when we weren't having it, and and God forgive us if we ever, again, take it for granted that we get to be here with our brothers and sisters in Christ. If you'll stand this morning to honor the reading of God's Word Second or Colossians chapter 2, Verse number 1 says this, the Apostle Paul says, For I would that you know what great conflict I have for you, and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, And unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. He says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality, and power. Let's pray. God, we love you. And Lord, I come before you humbly this morning, God, thanking you, Lord, for the wonderful spirit that we've already felt this morning. God, thank you, Lord, for being in our midst. And God, I just pray that as we transition, God, from the the singing and God into the preaching, Lord, I just pray that your spirit would continue, Lord, to manifest himself in this place. And God, that you would just have your way God, I just pray that you would, Lord, move in people's lives this morning. God, speak to people, Lord, through your word. And, God, that I would be used as your vessel this morning because, Lord, I am absolutely nothing, God, without you. Lord, I just pray that you would have your way. And, God, that you would just be in in, in people's minds. God, that that you would be in their hearts this morning as the word goes out. God, I just pray that you would give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In the book of Colossians, if, if you study the Apostle Paul's writings a whole lot, you'll understand that, that Paul, part of his job is, is he had several jobs. He wore several hats. One of those hats that he wore obviously is that he was what we would consider to be the first international missionary that he went to and fro and he went to, uh, actually covered a couple of different continents there, uh, Asia and, and a little bit of Africa. And he would go from place to place and he would preach the word and he would go about and he would establish churches. And that was, that was his main job, I guess you would say. And then he would go and he would establish these churches and, and, and Kalash was not actually a church that he had ever been to But during his letters, 13 of them that we have in the New Testament, all but one of those letters actually contains some form of correction. Did you know that? That 12 of Paul's 13 letters contain correction for the church. Now, I'm not necessarily preaching a corrective message this morning. I'm just preaching from the book of Colossians. But the, the book of Colossians is unique in the fact that the church at Coloss faced something that not a lot of the other churches faced. They were a confused church. They were a church that, that, that when, when they were started, that they were founded upon the, the name of Jesus Christ and, and, and things like that. But somewhere along the way, false teachers had moved in. And folks that, that wanted to derail the church at Colossians, they had kind of creeped in. They had snuck in. And they, they not only had they snuck in, they weren't just attending the church. They weren't just sitting there. But they were actually getting up and they were teaching things contrary to what the apostle Paul was teaching. And you see this in, in what I just read. He talks about this. And, and he says, I believe it's in verse 4. He says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. He says, hey, there's going to be people that stand up and, and it's going to sound good. And what they say, you may say, hey, you know, that sounds all right. I kind of like that. But he says they're just there to beguile you. And so I would say this about this message this morning that it is very applicable to the time in which we live. It is very applicable that, that, that we, we stop and we, we just take a moment as a church and say, hey, are, are we headed in the right direction? Are we doing what God would have us to do? Are we still teaching Jesus or have we kind of veered from that? Because let me tell you, just very, uh, very quickly understand this this morning, that there are people in this world that would love nothing more than to knock this church off the right course. There, there, I mean, there's, there's folks that are out to get anybody that claims the name of Jesus Christ. And so Paul addresses that, and I'm actually going to start the preaching in verse number 6 this morning. And verse 6 says this, As ye therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. And so it's very important that we see and we understand, first of all, that a church can't be a church, that a, a, we, we can't do anything unless we first start out and have our foundation in Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. See, uh, the thing about it is, it, it, we, were, we were all born, right? Every, anybody in here not born the first time? Well, that would be a ridiculous question because if you're here, you were born. And we always think about it and we look back at, over our lives and we think, well, my birthday is January 21st, 1987. And, and I think about, I can't remember back that far, can you? Some of you can, don't get me wrong. I know y'all can remember 1987 like it was yesterday. And we think about our lives starting then or maybe yours started earlier than that or maybe more recently than that. And we, we sort of base our existence upon that date. I, I say Seth Price came into this world on January 21st, 1987 But Paul said there's an even more important thing. He says that in verse number six, he says that as therefore you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. In fact, there is a more important time in your life than the day that you were born, and that was the day that you were born again. The day that you received Christ. That word received, it comes with this idea. When, when the readers in Colossians read that, they said, oh, the, the, the day that we became yoked up with Jesus Christ, the day that we joined together with him, the day that, that we b- became part of the family of God. And Paul said, Paul said that that's where we start. That's where our origin is, is when we received Christ. And so this morning I, I just want to preach a few minutes about this. And, and here's the text in verse 10. And then I'm going to go back to verse 6. He says, And ye are complete in him. Verse 10, and ye are complete in Jesus Christ. I think about all the things that are going on in the world and and, and I, I don't know, i almost talk about it. It seems like every time I step in the pulpit. But everywhere you turn, you're being bombarded with something, aren't you? I mean, we're just being, it just seems like that we don't ask for the information. We don't ask for stuff. But it, people just, it seems they just walk up and slap us with it sometimes. And what we do is, is we tend to get distracted from what's really important. We tend to get our mind off of the, the, the whole picture. And we tend, if we're not careful, to forget that we're Christians and that we don't live in the spirit of fear. Amen? We're Christians and that, that one of these days we're going to make heaven our home. And I think that sometimes we forget that, that that we get so caught up in the things of this world that we get so caught up in in even what I like to call churchianity, not necessarily Christianity, but we get so caught up in going to church and, and doing things and singing the songs and going through the motions that if we're not careful, we lose focus of what's important. And he says that, that as you have received Christ, so walk in him. So I pose you this question first. How do you receive Christ? Well, I'm going to answer that for you real fast. You receive him in faith. There is no other way to receive him other than faith in the, the blood that was shed on Calvary. And so not only he says do you receive him by faith, but then that means that the second half of that verse would imply that not only do we receive him by faith, but we also must walk by faith. And if you're walking any other way this morning, then you're walking in, in the wrong direction. You're walking in the wrong spirit if you're walking anyway but by faith. It's so easy to look around and, and, and walk many other ways and say, hey, this is going on over here and that's going on over there and, and we get distracted, but we need to remember, hey, it's about him, it's about Jesus. And so Paul goes on in the next verse, verse number seven, read with me there, there and he says this word, he says, rooted, rooted, rooted and built up in him. And he says, and established, or and established in the faith. You want to know why folks are, don't know which way to turn? Because they're not rooted like they should be. They're not rooted. You think about how many of you have grown gardens this year. That's a real popular thing, Right? And I've told you all, my garden's pathetic, all right? It, it, it really is. I've got a pitiful little garden. And yesterday, I was just so frustrated with my garden that I went out there, and, and these were not yours, Sister Connie, so don't worry. But I had planted some tomato plants earlier this year. And I went out to my garden, and I looked at them, and, and apparently rabbits or deer or, I don't know, maybe the neighborhood dog, something had been chewing on my, my tomato plants, and they looked pitiful. And so you know what I did? I just reached down and pulled them up and threw them out. I said forget it. If this if this is how it's going to be, I don't even want any part of it. But when I pulled them out, I looked, and on the end of those tomato plants, you know what I saw? I saw the most pitiful little root system that I had ever seen in my life. And the reason that those tomato plants were not doing any good is because their roots were not very deep. Because they hadn't taken root in the soil. They weren't gaining anything from the soil. They were just sort of existing on the top. I mean, they were, they were about this tall on the top. I mean, they, didn't, they weren't short and stubby little things, but, but their roots were only about this big. And they were barely making it. And so I just pulled them up and I threw them out. I thought, hey, they're, they're just wasting space in my little garden here. Might as well plant something in their place, right? And so I ask you this question, how deep are your roots in Christ this morning? I feel like a lot of folks in, 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 in the church world today, their roots go about this deep and they stop. And if your roots only go that deep in Christ, then I guarantee that you're not getting the nourishment that you need. You're not getting what you need because you don't have anywhere to draw from. And so not only that, but I would say this, go out on a limb and say that maybe if something had come through, maybe even a good strong wind, that those tomato plants, they'd have probably just blown over because they weren't rooted very well. He said that you must be rooted in Christ Jesus. If there's ever been a day when we need to be rooted, it is today. We've never seen times like this. I've never seen this before. Have you I open my Bible, and it's like reading the newspaper when I read Matthew 24 about all the things that are transpiring. and, and, And in the back, I'm saying, even so, come Lord Jesus. I'm ready to go home. But until then, until God comes and gets me, I must stay here. And I tell you, if I'm not rooted in him, then I am going to be in trouble. He says you must be rooted. And then he uses another word. He, he goes from the, the natural realm into the, into, the, into the more the physical realm. And he says, and built up in him. He said that, that if you're, you're building on anything else, I'm going to read you a verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So not only must your roots be there, But everything that your life is built on must be built on him. It is so important that we build our life on him. And so many other people, you remember Matthew, I believe it's Matthew chapter 7, right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives us a parable right about a wise man and a foolish man. And it says that the foolish man built his house upon the sand and in, in the book of Luke it says that he built it upon the earth and, and the winds came and, the, and the, the stream beat on it vehemently and that, that fell, right? Because it had no foundation and it wasn't built up in the right way. And this is a message that, that you need to take home with you. And, and the first thing you need to do is, is you need to make sure your roots are in the right place. Because if your roots are not in the right place, then you, have, you can't build at all. Nothing can be built unless you're rooted and the foundation is in the right place. See, I talked about false teachers that the people dealt with back then. And they were this group, and, and, and I won't get too in-depth in this because this is, we don't have time this morning, but they dealt with this, this thing called Gnosticism. And it was the belief that God was so separate from man that that God actually didn't even create man. And so these teachers, they would sneak in to this church that was built upon the fact that Jesus bled and died for you. That's what this church was founded upon. And they would sneak in and they would would use these enticing words. And they would say, hey, you know what? God, God really doesn't even know who you are. God doesn't care anything about you. Sure, they, they acknowledge the existence of God. But they say, God does not care anything about you. And we're being so overwhelmed with people that are saying things that are contrary to the word of God that you really have to weed out and you have to filter what you're listening to today. Amen? Amen? Is everybody still with me? So you read the next verse and we go from rooted and built up and established in the faith as you have been taught. But then he gives us a word of warning. He says this, he says, beware. Now, if I see a sign out in the world that says beware, I need to be looking around, don't I? I need to be paying attention. You know, everybody's got those beware of dog signs, and, and I'm not, I don't like vicious dogs at all. And anytime I see one of those signs, I go on high alert. That's what that means. He says be on high alert. He says look around. He says start looking around lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. See, these Gnostics and these even these Judaizers and these folks like this, they made it sound good. You know that that all that that all evil doesn't come in an ugly package? Did you know that? That, that, that sin, we automatically think of sin as, I don't know about you, but maybe I'm just, I, I know I'm weird, but maybe I'm weird in this way. That sometimes I think of sin as just this big black ugly thing, you know, that, that, that hangs the clouds over your life and, and things like that. But sin's not, all it doesn't always appear to be ugly. Sin doesn't always appear uh, bad and, and neither does, does the sound of Sin. See, if I stand in this pulpit, I, I have a very, I'm not trying to brag, but I have an important job, okay? Because I have to come up here and I have to give you what I believe to be the message that God has given me to give you. And if I get outside of that, then I am in danger of becoming a false teacher. It's pretty serious. It's serious business. You two guys are preachers. Pay attention. And he says that lest, beware lest any man beguile you with enticing words. And he says through philosophy and vain deceit. He he goes on to say, and after the tradition of men, and after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Satan would love nothing more not only to destroy this church, but to destroy your belief in God. Did you know that? And we have so many people that are, are seemingly magnified and so many people that are put on a pedestal that are teaching false things that people start to believe them. And people start to say, hey, you know, that, it, it's not that bad, is it? And, and I'm not just talking about guys on TV. I'm talking about books you can read. Things on TV, I mean, even, even some stuff on Christian radio is not worth listening to, okay? Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. You've got to be really careful. And the, the, and the way that you know that is by studying the Word of God. See, you and I have a privilege this morning that these people didn't have. We have, we have a copy in our hand of the Word of God. These people were easily beguiled and easily just pulled astray. Why? Because they weren't sure what was right and what was wrong. And that's why Paul had to write this letter to them to tell them, hey, I've heard about those Gnostics and I've heard about those Judaizers and I've heard that they're trying to pull you down the wrong path and they're trying to steer you in the wrong direction. And he says, and we've got to put a stop to it right now. He said, it's going to sound good. And I'll tell you one thing, one sign of a false teacher. There's a bunch of signs this morning. But if anybody ever stands up and tries to put the focus on their self and take it off Jesus, you should know right then that they're a false teacher. If anybody takes the light off of him and puts it on them, then then, then they're basically a heretic. I heard a story about a guy, a preacher was telling me just a couple of weeks ago that he had went to a youth camp, and this was several years ago, and it wasn't our youth camp, by the way, don't, so, don't, so don't anybody get scared. And he had went to this youth camp with his youth group. He was a youth pastor. And the preacher got up there, and there was that, he said there was like 2,500 kids there. And this guy said that, that there had been 10,000 to 12,000 people saved under his ministry. And he said that he began to wonder if anybody else could get saved any other way but under his ministry. That's a false teacher, folks. And so people were just buying into that. You know, when I stand here this morning and I preach, I'm not preaching myself because I am fallible. I can fall. I can sin. And I can do a number of things. Now, I'm not saying that and saying those are things I want to do because that's not a path I want to go down. But understand that I am capable of those things and so are you. So that's why I must focus on Jesus. That's why I must lift him up because he is the one that is worthy. He is the one that is preeminent in our lives or at least he should be. And if he is not preeminent in our church, then I ask you, what are we doing? If we're not lifting him up, if we're not trying to draw all men unto him, then we're probably preaching the wrong thing. It's not about us. It's not about me and it's not about you. It is about Jesus. And so he goes on to say, he talks about this philosophy and and all this vain deceit and this tradition of men and rudiments of the world, he says, and not after Christ. He said, and this is why Christ is so important. He makes it very clear. He says, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now Paul had to make it very clear because we're Trinitarian this morning, right? We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. We believe that. That's what we believe in, and I believe the Bible teaches that. And so Paul makes it clear that when we're preaching about Jesus, we're really preaching about God as well. We're preaching about the Holy Spirit because he, he has they all have their equal equally important part in the plan of salvation, in the plan of sanctification, and in every aspect of your life. When we preach Jesus, we're preaching all three. He said, "...and in Him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily." And then verse number 10, here's the focus of the message right here. He says, and ye are complete in him. So you could could make a supposition and say this. You could say that, that if you're complete in him, that if you're not in him, then what does that make you? Incomplete incomplete if if you're anywhere else if if you're, if your love is anywhere else but in him then you are incomplete I don't want to be that person to you I don't want to be that one that that's still longing to find my place in life that's still longing to find something to fill that void you know when we're born we're born into a, a sinful world with a sinful nature and, and that was because of the sin of Adam and Eve back in the Genesis chapter 3. And when that happened and when sin came on the scene, then something happened. There was a, a separation between God and man. You see, Adam, he used to fellowship with God every day. Did you know that? If you go back and you read in the early Genesis chapter 2 and 3, we find that Adam actually communed with God. It said in the cool of the day that he was so close to God that God would come down and he would commune with Adam. And then sin showed up on the scene. And from that time forward, man became incomplete. Man was complete with God, but then when sin showed up, man was incomplete and so when you're born into this world, like I said, everybody's been born, right? You are born with a void in your life that can only be filled by God and that can only be filled by his Holy Spirit living in you. I said Holy Spirit because Holy Ghost scares free will if I say the if I say the G word. But he said that you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. And so I just want to just be real simple and, and, and make this real easy this morning. That if your, your life is invested in anything else, you're incomplete. If your focus is anywhere else, then you are living an incomplete life. It's that simple. I mean, that's Bible. I didn't make that up, right? That's not my opinion. That's not the gospel according to Seth. The Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said that if you're, if you're focused on anything else, that you were incomplete. He said if your focus is on philosophy, if your focus is, is on educational things, and, and I'm not against education. I mean, the Apostle Paul had the, had the equivalent of three doctorate degrees. I mean, this guy was a smart guy. He wasn't throwing off on education but he was throwing off on putting your life and investing your life in things that were just made up by men. And that's what the world's doing. You, you see, how many of you have noticed that there seems to be a boom in technology over the past few years? Have you all noticed that? And did anybody in here uh, ever grow up without, without indoor plumbing? Anybody? Bless your heart, I tell you what. And we've had those advances and and we've come so far. And and we've come from that into into having computers and cell phones and, and, you know, electricity and air conditioning and all these wonderful things. And, And we get so invested and think, hey, you know what, men are smart, men have got this figured out, but we really don't. You know, the smartest man in the world, and, and we could all say and, and argue on who that really is, and I don't have the answer to that, is incomplete unless he has God in his life. He can have every bit of knowledge that the world has to offer. He can know just about everything there is to know. But unless you know Jesus, you're incomplete. You know, you learn in the book of Ecclesiastes about a man named Solomon. Solomon who had about as much wisdom as a man could have. He had done everything under the sun, which is not a good thing, by the way. And you know what he says? He says, vanity, it's, it's just vanity. That life is just vanity. And he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. When he closes the book of Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, he said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He said, serve God. That's it. That's the conclusion of it. That's the end. You you want to know what to do in life? Just serve God. Take your focus off worldly things. Quit listening to everything that's going around. Put your hope back in Jesus because that's where it should be. Paul says that if I hope in this world alone that I am above all men most miserable. And I can understand right now that if your hope is in this world, you're a miserable person right now. And you ought to be because this world is just going to burn up. I would hate to, to, to invest my life in something that I know that one of these days is just going to be destroyed. And the only eternal thing that we can have is Jesus Christ. The only eternal thing that we can have is his salvation and life in him. Quit focusing on, on anything but Jesus Christ. And I understand that that's hard. I'm not saying that this is an easy thing. I'm not saying that you can just go home today and say, hey, I've got it figured out now. And, and, but let me tell you, it's a process and it's called sanctification. You remember that part in the first verse that I read? In verse number 6, so that you have received him, so live ye in him. Live your life by faith every single day. And know that one of these days that this is all going to be over with and that if you're under the blood of Jesus Christ that we get to go to heaven and live there forever, that this is just temporary. Never forget that this life is temporary, but Christ is eternal. Amen. And if, if you're being spoiled by things and, and being carried away by other things and, and maybe your mind's on other things, get your mind on Jesus. I promise you'll have a lot better life. I'm not saying this morning that you can live your best life now. Don't, don't get me wrong here, all right? Anybody ever heard that statement? That's false teaching. Did you know that? But you can point your life toward Jesus Christ and be filled with his spirit and you'll be a whole lot better better off father we love you God and we thank you for all that you do and God I thank you for your word this morning and knowing Lord that that our hope is in you and Lord I understand that that people's minds they're they're constantly assaulted by things that that are negative and things that are, are bad and, and things that are maybe even sinful And God, I just pray that we would have the discernment. And God, the ability to look and see and and to understand what is right and what's wrong. And God, I just pray that everyone this morning in this house, Lord, knows you as their Savior. And God, if they do not know you, Lord, I just pray that you would deal with their heart right now. And Lord, that they would understand that they have to believe in you through faith. And that works are not going to do it. And and that knowledge about you is not going to do it. And that memorizing things are not going to do it. But Lord, that it's placing faith in your son that he died on a cross for our sin. And Lord, I just pray that that the Christians in this house this morning, God would never take their focus off you. And God, that we would live by faith every day of our life. God, we trust you. Lord, we love you and we lift you up. Lord, we exalt you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.